the Rule Britannia that they used was actually recorded by an orchestra, and they wound up having to pay like six thousand dollars for the rights to oh really just for the music to walk the bulldogs to the ring, and then lost a lot of money on the deal because so many of those tapes went unsold. Nobody wanted to see it. Nobody wanted to see it, and like the market. You know, he advertised in wrestling magazines. I saw it. It was a little ad and back, but did it? Did they advertise it as rock and rolls versus yeah bulldogs like that? Like check this shit out. Yeah, but that's like that way of marketing footage still hadn't taken off at that point. Remember, sure. like there was what the Japanese tapes and right. Jared Memphis selling the one tape, right? And the Pro Wrestling Illustrated tapes. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of stuff around then. It's true. Let's start the show. For those who do not know, the biggest wrestling spectacular, names from all over the country, former champions, I've never seen anything like it. Eddie Graham, Florida Promotion, Vern Gagne, superstar Billy Graham, Road Warriors, Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee, Bill Watts, Jerry Jarrett, Dory Funk, Harley Race, uh, Nick Bockwinkle. This is Cigars in Conversation with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. Hello and welcome to Cigars in Conversations, brought to you by our good friends at All the Gimmicks and iTunes. All the Gimmicks. I am your co-host, Jay Gilkay, and I'm sitting here with a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. Wrestling. This man has shared the ring with a who's who of talent. Talent, talent. That ranges from the mauler (laughs) to the Beer City Bruiser, a wrestler, manager, commentator, and a trainer who's contributed essays to wrestling publications and who currently owns two cats. With 20 years of experience, he's a true renaissance man with unlimited knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, I am speaking of... The cat wrangler himself, Derek St. Holmes Esquire. What's up, sir? I'm a big believer in two cats. I'm a big believer in two cans. The bird. What? Two cans. Oh, okay. Okay, keep going. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I immediately thought boobs. (laughs) Those two. (laughs) They're great. Go ahead. Um... No, especially when I lived alone, because I always, I always wanted a cat, but I always wanted two cats because I spent a lot of time away so they could, you know, play with each other and stuff like that. Two cats are okay. When you get three cats, that's getting weird. My friend, I think, has five. Yeah. That's, that's weird. It's a little weird. They're all right, though. I'm sure they are, but it's weird. Yeah. For disease-ridden creatures, they're, not they're pretty disease-ridden. good. They're not disease-ridden. Your dogs are disease-ridden. No, as well. my dogs are not. Well, one okay. might be, but the other one is very the snotty. One, yeah. Well, he's very old. Uh, Russell, our Brussels Griffon, he uh, had these two fangs that kind of came up, and his tongue would stick out of the center of them. Yes. And uh, all of a sudden, one day we noticed the fang on the left-hand side started facing more horizontally. Yes. Uh, and he's fourteen, by the way. Okay. And then, Which is uh, like he's a hundred seventy. Yes. Yeah, he's like Grandpa from Chainsaw Massacre. To go back to that, well, again, is that old? Uh, and he, so the tooth was uh, not sta- sitting yes. straight up; it kept going more and more horizontal, and then it just vanished at some point. 
So we don't know if he swallowed it or it just fell out outside or if it's somewhere in our house right now. So huh. he has one fang and then his tongue flops out the other side of the mouth. So Okay. You're really, really selling me on this. It's a good dog. He's a good dog. He's I'm a, sure. I Listen. Sweet dog. The dog cat controversy, that's fine. It'll I'm, brew forever. Yes. I didn't think you Both were a cat of us guy, though. Right. Oh, yeah. Big cat guy. Interesting. What's your cat's names? Uh, or do you not want those advertised on the podcast? No, because I put them on Facebook a lot. Yeah, what are they? The the older gray one is Emmy Cat. Emmy? Emmy. Like E-M-M-Y? I spell it E-M-M-Y. Like the Angela award. Angela spells it different. So that's fine. <sighs> Listen, they're both usually called Cat or Kitty. You, oh, you just go straight at it? With this is like, hey, Cat, hey, Kitty? Yeah, get, get out of my way, Cat. Or, are you a kitty? Are you a kitty? That's a good yeah, one. They like that. Um, the younger one is actually was called Stardust in the the shelter. Okay. Um, which we decided somehow to Dusty, but usually it's just Baby Cat. Do you say like, "Come here, Baby Cat, if you will"? Um, no. It's not a good dusty. But I do often, but. I do often yell at my cats, especially when they do something stupid like run exactly where you're walking. Yeah, it's like, well, then get out of the way. Then you know they don't listen. Yeah, they've been. My dogs have been waking up uh, with me in the morning to go to the gym, not to go to the gym with me, but to get up and go to the bathroom. Okay. And this is like four in the morning. Mm-hmm. And um, they come downstairs. And they will go outside and they come in because they're like, ah, shit, it's cold out there. You know, and they right. uh, they stand there. And then my one. My, that, my, by, by the way, what you just described is the main reason I never want to own a dog. Because you don't want to have to take them outside. Exactly. No, it makes sense. And can so leave the house and they're good. Well, um, so I open the back door uh-huh. and I let them out. And I live in the city. Right. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden I started hearing growling. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's, like, some guy either breaking into our car. Uh-huh. And my thought goes more to it. I don't want him to hurt my dogs. Right. So I look outside, and I um, see where they are, and they're on the porch, and they're looking out into the yard, and they're growling, and I don't see anything. Right. So I'm like, come on in. What are you guys, you dummies? Whatever. Get in the house. So they're growling, growling, and they finally turn around and come in the house. And then I, they go back upstairs to go to bed, and I get my stuff, and I'm walking out the back door. And as I open the back door and the the... Uh-huh. Light goes on. There's a goddamn coyote standing in the middle yep. of my driveway. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, fucking urban coyotes, man. So um, that was pretty crazy. So then, of course, the coyote sees me, and I'm like opening and shutting the screen door. Like, ah! <laughs> like that's going to do anything. And then yeah. finally, it stared at me, and it was kind of like, fuck you. And then it walked away. Uh-huh. So, And then um, later on that morning... I went back home, of course, after the gym. that coyote, I would have just urinated while well, staring at it. But no, you. but here's the best part. So, um, so the my wife says, there was a coyote in our backyard. How do we get rid of those? And I said, well, we got to get an anvil. And she was <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. And she and I, you know, I said it like that quick. I'm like, well, you got you need an anvil. And then she's like, oh, okay. Um, where were we? I'm like. Yeah, they're heavy, probably, you know, they're pretty heavy. And she's like, well, what do we do with it? And I'm like, well, we have to set up a board and precariously balance it on it and hope that it walks underneath. And and then she's like, you're making a joke. I'm like, yeah. So then I come home 
and this is a, this is the best part. Yep. And then we'll go on to actual talk about wrestling. Uh, I, <laughs> I get home and there's this big container of something on sitting on the, like our window ledge. And I was cleaning up some leaves and I set the, um, rake against it and knocked this thing over and it fell all over and like this fucking reeks it was panther piss my mother-in-law told my wife that you have to get panther piss and sprayed on your yard and that will keep the the coyotes away so i got i splashed myself with panther piss i'm sure it was a synthetic and that no it i mean it was it was something oh yeah but i doubt who, they just got a line who of in Milwaukee has yeah a line on actual panther urine? Wow. I'm sure it's a manufactured like odor. Yeah, but I mean it was crazy. I bet you it was pretty pungent. It still is. Like so, if you walk out our back door, it's like Christ, <laughs> the panther it smells piss like out Chicago. Here. So that's become the joke. Is God damn it, did a panther piss out here or something? <laughs> Which is good because you don't get to say that every day. So um, <laughs> yeah. So in, in a joke you're not going to understand, but Angela is going to find hilarious. Wisconsin. That's it. Yes. Wow. What has did... to do with uh? Well, who's the who's the comedian that's uh has the sleeping disorder? Jerry Seinfeld. No, no, no. Mike something. Berbiglia. Okay. Uh, uh, he did a bit on uh, public radio. <laughs> that's again, nobody's gonna understand about her because she heard this. Like bit. NPR. Yes. Ugh. What are you? Ugh. <laughs> Shut up. Of course nobody heard it then. Right? Talk about some dry toast. Let's talk about NPR. Let's not talk uh, about NPR. Let's talk about like talk about NPR. Let's talk about the NWA. Next on a very special. Yes. Hi, welcome to Cigars, Cigars and, and Conversations. Conversations with Norman Gilliland. We're going to be discussing the uh, NWA Tag Team Championship belts. Some of you may recall this episode was originally hidden from broadcast. This was a recorded episode that we did not feel was uh, deemed worthy to actually grace the airwaves. I never actually heard it. I recall being upset that Jay didn't do any research for it. In researching the NWA Tag Team Championship belts, I decided that the socioeconomic uh demographic of audience that would appreciate the tag team championship for different areas throughout the United States and favored heavily into a blue red state scenario that led um, to a very, I, that's the best I can do. I was trying to sound like as NPR you know, I was as possible. just going to keep going and say an audience that's concerned about what it hears. Now it is pledge week here <laughs> yes. on NPR. It is. It absolutely is. Speaking of which... Uh, By the way, send us something and we'll send you something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff. Well, we really honestly do. Kyle has a miniature John Merrick elephant man wearing a tuxedo. We already talked about him. I understand, but I'm saying yeah. he's for sale. Uh, who? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the self-same John Merrick that witnessed the proposal and acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> proposal and alleged acceptance of young Kyle. You should have had him down on his knees. <laughs> And you could have had a little note taped to him that said, like, please accept this wedding proposal. I may die soon from this position or something. That's pretty great. I'd like to think there's a nanny cam in it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. come on. I knew it. No, everybody knows it. Hey, um, 
I was going to go into a whole thing about seeing Paula Poundstone do live comedy, but then that would put everybody to sleep as much as it did me seeing that live. Um, but at the, She's on NPR. That's why I, I was going to bring her up. So anyway, NPR, N- N- NWA, take NWA team championships. Tag team championships. So now the big thing that the, the whole reason I want to do the episode in the yeah, start yeah. is because everywhere it seemed that the NWA tag team champions were just everywhere. Right. Like every they were in every region, blah, 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 blah. The NWA, as we explained to young Kyle and how it evolved into a plaything of Billy Corgan. <laughs> oh, hey, book me, whatever. Um, the NWA was a governing body that oversaw a bunch of individual promotions. Okay. The NWA, that that governing body, sanctioned two champions, a heavyweight champion and a junior heavyweight champion. Go on. So those were the only titles that you had to go through the NWA president and the NWA title booking agent to get dates on. Sure. Those are the titles that were voted on by all of the members. You know, every year they'd get together at their convention, decide if they want to change the belt or if the champion was drawing for them. Discuss that. So these are the champions that, you know... If there was going to be a change, everybody had to agree on it. There right. had to be a vote. People, you know, you had to solicit support and, you know. Can I ask one question? No. Um, because you always turn it into multiple questions. No, and this is just going to be one real quick one. So did the, Why? Did, the <laughs> did the NWA champion ever not draw in certain regions? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um. Uh, like when Dick Hutton took the title, um, because Thez only wanted to drop it to a real wrestler. Yeah, like took the title, but then wouldn't go into certain areas because just didn't draw. Okay. Um, he wasn't a colorful performer. You know, this. So the other. belt didn't bring the people in. They were just like, ah, oh, it's Dick Hutton. Well, but who was holding the belt? I mean, Lou sure. Thez was able to portray himself as the ultimate wrestler. Right. Dick Hutton was you know, kind of a cowboy, but didn't, you know, he wasn't a colorful performer, so right. he, didn't, he didn't have it. More so relied on the connection to his cousin E.F. Hutton. No, more so relied on his skills because at the time you still had to have a champion that could defend himself against somebody wanting to steal the belt. Sure. Which seems as goofy as anything now. Right. But at the time meant something. Now, even then, I'm not quite sure why it was such a deal because the press was all so controlled. Okay, yeah. You know, and if somebody beat somebody, you could reverse it the next night or, you know, how, you know, how would that get communicated to the press or it could get... Now, when... How did it go? When San Martino... Not when San Martino won. At some point... Uh, maybe Luthez beat Buddy Rogers. Uh, the WWWF tried to get the magazines to not report on it. Yeah, you know, because they wanted to protect their dealings, but the magazines, you know, couldn't uh, couldn't go along with it. Gotcha. So how does this how does this dovetail into the tag team titles? Long story short, is the NWA did not sanction NWA tag team champions. So any promotion 
obviously that was a member of the NWA and in with the click could promote whoever they wanted as NWA tag champions. Right. Now, what a lot of places would do is bring in a new team as the champions uh, to either hold the belt and draw money or drop it to whoever they want the champions to be. But what was the deal? So the reason they didn't do tag team champions is because, what, it wasn't popular? Like, tag team wrestling wasn't big? Or was uh, it like kind of considered an, an attraction event? Yes, yes. At the time, it wasn't deemed as important as the singles title. Okay. So that... That's essentially it. Remember, this is in 48. Right. So you didn't really have many tag teams at that time. And they still had to run shows every month. They couldn't have the, the two champions. Uh, forget. They're not running every month. They're running every week. Or, I, I, mean, I meant to say, I'm sorry. Yes, 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 I'm sorry. This time. So, yeah, so they're running every week. They don't have that national champion to come in every single week. So they kind of, the, So the tag team champion becomes that like placeholder, so to speak. Well, yes, that it was it was a way to bring somebody in. People recognize the NWA as the governing body because they had that champ. It makes sense that they would have a world champ. Sure. So they would do that to bring in some prestige into the oh, look how we're tied into this governing body, even though they didn't have to pay a licensing fee to have those champions. Gotcha. Now the you know, acknowledgement of the tag titles would come and go. You know, somebody would come in as the champion. Um, you know, they could do a phantom loss to somebody else, or they could turn that title into whatever right. local title they want. So the promotions having NWA tag champs would, would come and go. Right. Well, then I guess um, from doing some research for the show, uh-huh. which I did, Yes. Uh, the uh, very first... Um, NWA World Tag Team Championship was created in Los Angeles, uh, promoted by Johnny Doyle. Sure. And uh, that, do you know what that first team was? Uh, was it the um, the Sharps? No, the Dusick Riot Squad. Oh, sure. We've talked about them. Yep. They later went on to own the Omaha Territory. Absolutely. Right. And so that, and it's interesting because there was no other territories in the United States uh, NWA ones, I should say, uh, affiliate uh-huh. with the NWA that were doing the tag team championship. That was the first one was Los Angeles, and then and what year was that? That was in '49. Sure. So and you were you said '48. Yeah, yeah. So, like so I right could there. see him saying, "Hey guys, do you mind if I do this?" Yeah, right. Yeah, go uh, ahead. And then it's interesting too because then within that next year, that's when you started to see them all pop up because like shortly after that, then San Francisco followed suit, uh, and they had their version with uh, Ray Eckert and Hardboiled Hagerty. Um, H.B. Haggerty. But they actually had them win the belts as opposed to just like the um, Dusick Ride Squad were just kind of given the belts. Right. Um, they had, yeah, Eckert and Haggerty actually win the belts. So, sure. So that was like the finals of a tournament or right. whatever. And then it just it spreads across, of course, because then from California, from Los Angeles, San Francisco, it headed to um, the Midwest, to Kansas City. Um, sure. That was, it was the next one. So, Who was the champs in Kansas City? Uh, the Dusicks. The oh, Riot Squad. of course, because that's yep. where they live. Okay. Yep. And then finally... <laughs> hey, we already got these belts. Yeah, let's go ahead and use them, see? Right. And then it took another couple years, probably. I think it was yeah. until like 1953 or so before it really started to branch out to the east. Yeah. And then the, I know that they had some in Florida. Uh, I knew they had some in Georgia. Uh, oh, yeah. And then uh, Memphis would bring people in. 
Yes. Yeah. And uh, Chicago ran with uh, Bleers and Latham as their champions. Ooh. And uh, Lord they, James Bleers, tally ho. Yes. And they said, uh, and they build that as that they had won them in a different territory and then come to defend them in Chicago. Exactly. So, which makes, I mean, that definitely makes perfect sense. Sure. And with the press and the amount of media saturation at the time, sure. That makes how far the um, champions are here. So, were there a lot of Canadian promotions that worked under the NWA banner? Um, well, Stu was in there. Uh, Al Tomko was in there. Um, so I'm thinking there, but I don't think, well, Eddie, yeah, Eddie Quinn would have been in there cause that's, Thez was in there for a while and then possibly the Rougeaus in Montreal, but I think they had their own deal. Gotcha. And so they could book these titles any way they wanted to. Yes. Um, and I'm sure there was some review of protecting the NWA name or whatever. Right, but, but it still wasn't. It was a prop. Did we ever see um, NWA champions versus NWA champions, two different tag teams? No. Coming in? no. That never happened. No. And because territories were far enough apart, if there was a tag team champion in one territory, it it was far enough apart that nobody really knew about the team from the other one. Correct? Exactly. Exactly. And um, You might see something in the... You might see something in the magazines. But. Yes. But they never build the NWH uh, tag team titles as being from these specific regions or territories, right? It was always viewed as if we have our world champion who's defending all over the place, well, these tag team belts, tag, like, without saying it, are being defended all over the place. They're pretending, but they're the hometown title. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's that's basically how they handled it. It was kind of yes. like a don't ask, don't tell, so to speak, when yeah, it came yeah. to it. Like, oh, yeah, they're definitely doing that. It just so happened that they got the tag team champions more because they were in that promotion or in that territory at the time. Right, and how lucky is that? Right, right. And did they did the tag belts, did they switch a lot? I mean, were they, was it something that was pretty frequent, do you feel? Oh, sure. Because with the, um, the way the... The actual championship was with someone holding it for so long. At least the end of the having the tag team belts was a good way for them to, you know, kind of keep it fresh and lively and change stuff up. Absolutely, because remember with tag teams, tag teams aren't as important because uh, you can switch people doing the jobs. Whereas a singles title, you know, somebody yes. has to do the job. But tag teams, there's a lot more opportunity to make it make it uh, ambiguous. Gotcha. But, yeah. At its peak, do you know how many different tag team champions there were running across North America? I want to say there were 10. I'm looking right here just real quick as I was reading. And it said... <laughs> you had that. Sorry, no, I just didn't want to sound like I was like off the top of my head because that wouldn't, would have been disingenuous. 13. 13. 13 okay. versions being defended across the United States in 1957. So, and then... After that is when kind of the some of the breakups start, like Vern Gagne, I think it's like 59 or 60 or right. somewhere 60, around there. 62. Is when he splits off. Yeah. So his title, his tag belts that would have been NWA become the AWA belts at that point. Right. Were there any, what about notable teams when it comes to NWA tag team champions that aren't like early era? I mean, we know. Well, the Andersons were brought in yeah. in the 70s as NWA champs. Uh, Memphis... Memphis would bring in a lot, or Tennessee would bring in a lot of different people as champions, so I can't okay. really go on that. 
But um, let's see, who was the champs? I want to say Stevens and Patterson, the Blonde okay. Bombers out yeah. in San Francisco. They were big title holders. I still want to say the Sharp Brothers held them, but that might have been too early. Okay. Um, just off the top of my head. Could I know in, I, I want to say it's in Detroit at one point, the NWA champions were Ben Justice and the Stomper. Oh, really? Which, just a funny name to say out loud. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of sounds like a band, like a ska band. Sure. <laughs> what was it, Ben Justice and the Stompers? Yes. There you go. Once, um, it was only one stomper. I know, but I, for, uh, for I the band name. I don't know if it was the Mongolian If it was a ska band, there'd be a lot of Do you members. remember when the Mongolian stomper came into the AWA? Uh, vaguely. Yeah, same here. And it was just kind of this, oh, look at how scary this guy is. And it's like, well, he's kind of old, old. and he just I, That's what I remember about it. Like, right. I'm not getting it. And now I find out later that he was a machine, but it was just kind of like, eh. But that the was. The cool part was he was always in great shape. But that was kind of that the rub with the AWA is again going back to um, previous episodes we talked about like Baron von Raschke, right? It's just like it looks like you see him and it's like there's nothing. Be- he just looks so old. Yes, and that that's the brain trust of the AWA going with the people they know, quote right. unquote. Right. Oh, we'll bring him in. He'll draw a great house. It's like, well, was it uh, was it uncommon or was it common place for? If a team like, so I know we talked about the Dusik Ride Squad uh, doing their thing in California and then, of course, getting the belts in Kansas City. Never would, a dull match with Dusik. That's true. That's would you ever see um, the same tag team having multiple belts from other territories around the region? Or was it usually you just stayed with wherever territory you were with? So if you were wrestling in um, Kansas, right. Kansas City, and you were the NWA Tag Team Champions there, and you were doing great, and Much Nick liked you, and he liked what you were doing, would he allow that tag team to go win the, ta- the NWA Tag Team belts in another territory or another promotion um, because still kind of under the guise of being NWA Tag Team Champions? Or do they always no. keep it all in-house? Well, one, Much Nick didn't care about the tag titles. He just cared about the singles titles. No, I know, but I was just oh, doing oh, it as no, a name. I'm, I'm just trying to... I know. Sorry, I'll try to make my I'm hypotheticals I'll, more I'll accurate. I'll answer a totally different question than you asked that way. Go for it. Okay. Um, nah, I, I was going to come up with something, but I can't. That's know. okay. No, Muchnick didn't care about the tag titles, but there wouldn't have been... Why would you send this team out to collect multiple titles? Because you don't control that championship. Them winning the belts in some other territory is not going to make your territory any money unless you and get I a get booking that. fee on the wrestlers. I just didn't know if it was like a good faith thing with the NWA. Like, oh, well, it's the NWA. They're all in this kind of you know, sanctioning body, so to speak. Does there become a good faith thing in the name of the NWA to have guys? No. no Especially because they're the, running every week. It's, it's wrestling. Right. Again, okay. you're trying to trying to put noble means on an ignoble that's a great no that's and that's a great way of putting it um was it but it wasn't uncommon for a tag team to succeed in a territory as the nwa tag team champions leave that territory go to a different one and win those nwa titles there correct they would either take the belts with them and by happenstance be booked somewhere else as tag team champions or they would drop the titles to somebody there and then go somewhere else and still be champions. Okay. 
or like the first promotion would just stop recognizing that tag and that team would be title, that. and you just wouldn't see them anymore. Gotcha. And it would never be brought up. Okay. You know. No, and that makes sense. I could see that happening. Uh, we're not making a lot of money with tag teams, and this booker doesn't know how to do tag teams, so we're just going to stop. You know. Stop doing it. All yeah, together. we'll just throw two guys together for something to do, but we don't really need an issue going here. Right. Right. Okay. No, and, and that. Oh, you're bringing in George Scott, who knows. Sure. Or, you know, or somebody who knows tag team wrestling. Okay, then. Then we're gonna bring them in as champs and work this, you know, right. ping pong it around here, and then once this runs out, we'll just stop recognizing them again. Well, and then and so once Vern, like, for for example, the Brass Knucks Championship, right? Like you never heard about it regularly, but then all of a sudden, I'm the Brass Knucks Champion, and blah blah blah. Oh, okay, now there's a Brass Knucks title, <laughs> and then that's how it works. And then it gets changes two or three times, and then it disappears. Right. You know? Right. Cigars and Conversations presents Mailbag Correspondence Comments and Letters Culled from the pages of old wrestling magazines From wrestling fans This time out we'll be doing fan letters From the April 1982 issue of Victory Sports Series The Wrestler Hasty Judgment I wish to respond to an open letter by the editors to Rick Steamboat concerning his friendship with Leroy Brown. In the letter, the editors warned Steamboat that befriending Brown might ruin his career, if not his life. They warned him that Brown wrestled with bad in front of his name and that Steamboat should not befriend him because of it. I can say with a clear conscience that I feel Brown has turned over a new leaf and will continue wrestling cleanly. Also, in your thumbs up, thumbs down column in the same issue, you gave Steamboat a thumbs down for the same reason. Come on, editors. Give Brown a chance. I mean, I will admit that Brown did wrestle dirty once. Once. But as I stated before, I feel that he has changed his ways. Remember, you people warned Steamboat once before about teaming with a reformed rule breaker for the same reason. And nothing happened. <laughs> In fact, they are now the best of friends. His name? Rick Flair. Tom Fox, Buffalo, New York. He'll be missed. I was a fan of Bruno San Martino for as long as he was wrestling, and I always thought he was a good champion. He held the WWF title with pride against all rule breakers, and it will be hard for me to go to wrestling matches now that Bruno has retired. I want to wish Bruno the best of luck in the future. I think that I owe him at least that much now that he has quit wrestling. Pete Seville, McConnellsburg, Pennsylvania. What direction? After being a loyal wrestling fan for six years, I've decided I have to get some things off my chest. What is it with rule breakers like Kevin Sullivan, physical mutilators like Greg Valentine, and foreign object users like Kiwi Sheepherders? I have been stunned by the behavior of these wrestlers. Not to each other, but to the sportscasters and spectators. I can remember the time when Crazy Luke Kiwi almost killed a spectator with a crowbar. 
It almost scared me out of being a fan of wrestling. And a few months ago, I saw King Kong Mosca hit Goodwill Crusader wrestler and sportscaster Pat Patterson on the top of the head with a metal water pitcher. Again, this made me think of giving up this wonderful sport. I'm not the first fan to think this way. Some have given up the sport entirely. And so, I ask my fellow wrestling fans, what's to become of this sport? Ralph Chirello, Belrose, New York. Mr. Excitement. I have read your magazine over and over, and I find it the best wrestling magazine on the market. But there is one man to whom you fail to give enough credit. That man is Mr. Excitement, Dick Slater. He is absolutely my favorite wrestler and deserves a lot more coverage. I'm not just saying this because he is my favorite wrestler. He happens to be great. Stephen Page, Warren Robbins, Georgia. Thank you. I want to say thank you to The Wrestler for that wonderful article on the Von Erich brothers in the December issue. It is so seldom that the Von Erichs receive any credit or recognition for their incredible goals they accomplish again and again. So thank you. Oh, and one further point. I personally feel that the Von Erich brothers would not wrestle each other, even for a championship belt. But if for some reason this did happen, I'm sure it would be a totally scientific match with no hard feelings whatsoever. Let's see more on these wonderful wrestlers. Jay Bumpus, Denison, Texas. When Ganya uh, leaves the NWA, changes yes. his titles, is there a ripple? Do other feds do that, or do people still want to hold on to that NWA name and keep like those tag team belts in there? Wait. Sure. Okay. Ganya like left the NWA, quote unquote, but he was still an active partner with them. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. So, like, him establishing his deal was also beneficial to the NWA because they could say they don't have a monopoly, which is something that they had been yelled at okay, for right. several times. So, Ganya establishing his deal and setting up his territory, excuse me, like, doesn't necessarily inspire all of these other people to do anything. Because, remember, these local promotions, they're all making money in their little pocket. right. And they belong to this organization, not so they could have titles come, but so they could have this organization's backing in controlling wrestling in their little area. Gotcha. Okay, no, I, I could see that. And this goes into something what we were talking about with young Kyle earlier with the modern NWA saying that there isn't this backing or anything behind the nwa name now it's just a name that you're paying to license out gotcha whereas the original nwa if suddenly somebody started running wrestling in your area you could pick up the phone and everybody else would coordinate to drive this other person out of business okay yeah you know so which wasn't exactly legal but they still did it they still did it yeah. sure and it seems like a lot of places had they changed names a lot on the belts. Sure. West Western Texas NWA tag team champions. 
gets that was never a name. Um, what well, was uh, one? Are you really quoting me? Uh, no, like well, there's the um, well, there was of course there was the NWA Western States Tag Team Title, right? There wasn't a Western States Tag Team Title, was there? Yeah. Absolutely. I just remember Barry Windham as the Western States champion. Champion, right. Yeah. But that was out of Amarillo. Uh, uh, oh, okay, okay. So, you know, but I mean, but that's what I'm saying is like, it seemed like, you know, you kind of look at the list of names. Uh, I'm just kind of throw Like, so you have NWA Western States Tag Team Championship. You have the NWA Texas Tag Team Championship. You have the Georgia Tag Team Championship. Uh, the NWA Mid-Atlantic sure. Tag Team Championship. Um, so you, you have a lot of these... Uh, and then, you have, of course, NWA Central States tag team title. Okay, but what you're saying right there is that those are the regionalized tag titles. Yes, that you know everybody could do that, and then you could bring in a team as the world heavyweight, as the as the world title, to for the, these people to have matches with, much gotcha. like the the U.S. champion or the national champion. Like, oh, right. when the the big guy comes to town, I get the match with him. Gotcha. And so having by having that position, that gives you another MacGuffin for the local people to vie for in order to get the big prize. Because gotcha. everybody knows it's some world titles. It's interesting, too, prize. just how many of them that they have, though. Like as far as whether it be like um, in East Texas, they use the NWA America's Tag Team sure. Championship. Um, but just, yeah, every kind of regional regional place had it and then would kind of alter the name depending upon what where was going were. on, where yeah. they were, and how they were doing it. Um, is there a team to you that stands out in the earlier days as far as, like, someone that... What like, do you mean earlier days? Like, in, like, 70s, not like, so much it, the 80s. when it was a real thing. Yeah, like, yeah. not. I'm not talking, like, the Mid-Atlantic and I, that stuff. Just off the top of my head, I'd go with the Andersons. Sure. Like, yeah. that's the team that would Yeah, be, I'd go with the Andersons. The AWA, of course, I'd go with, uh, like, Bachwinkle and Stevens. Sure, yeah. sure. The... Um, was there ever a promotion or territory with the tag team belt that was more of a hotbed one? Some one that is like people look back more. Absolutely, fondly on? the Carolinas before uh, before seventy one. Okay, yeah. Again, because who was the George Becker was the George Becker was the Booker. He was yep. in the tag team with Johnny Weaver, so he concentrated on tag teams because that's how he kept himself in the cards. Gotcha. Because he was in a tag team. So that became known as the tag team territory. Now, incidentally, um, with a territory like that and a territory like Tennessee, where it was also tag teams were the specialty there as well, you know, because they just throw people together. Right. And I touched on this in the Rock and Roll Express episode, like the amount of lost knowledge on how to work a tag team, you know, different things you can do, yeah. time out and different this and different that. Uh, like working with the R and R's, you learn just a, you know just a segment of this. And I've been watching like the Fullers and everything. It's like wow, these guys like just things you wouldn't think of nowadays that were just commonplace back then. Right. And I know we've talked about incredible, it. incredible ways to work. Well, we've talked about it before previously on the podcast too, where the different level of not respect but understanding of a tag team match, where um, some of the cards we've talked about would have their main event and then after that would be a tag team match. Yeah. After just because it's like you can't finish Yeah, you can't follow two people. Two with people one. with one. Right. I don't necessarily agree, but uh, I agree with that too. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I, but it's interesting to see how somewhere like you said the Memphis area that could would actually um focus on that tag team wrestling and be able to uh 
really kind of shine a light on it and make right. it something special. That's um so if that's through like the sixties and seventies and all this is happening and as things start um in the mid eighties with stuff kind of closing down or rebranding or things are right. changing around, um I'm assuming that the amount of NWA champ tag champions started dwindling or it started to uh, get yes, smaller. Yes, because, because the amount of NWA territory started dwindling. Right. And and but NWA still kept with people I don't know what the term would be, not paying their dues, but it still kept with people. Uh the ones that were doing NWA, uh, they could still use it. They weren't trying to branch out to still keep the name out there in other ways, no, were no, they? No, they didn't care. That was that. Again, they especially the promoters in the NWA, they weren't interested in expanding. They were protecting their little fiefdom. They had their little area of the country carved out. So, you know, they were fine with that. And so all the teams, when we think NWA tag team champions um, in that 80s era, that's like a lot of the Mid-Atlantic stuff that we're... Yeah, yeah, because that's what was on TV. Remember, Mid-Atlantic and Atlanta joined together. So that's where you had the U.S. titles and the national titles until that all melded together into the world titles. Right, right. And that's at one point... Well, no, you still had the the undercard titles because I remember like uh, Billy Jack Haynes and Wahoo McDaniel, I think, held the national tag titles or Ah, something like that. So you had the undercard champions, but then you still had the world champions. And at that time, they brought in the rock and rolls over the Russians. Right. And then so when, and I'm probably jumping ahead And here. the Russians beat Dusty and Manny Fernandez. Was that who it was? I believe so. I think that sounds they, right. They pinned Manny Fernandez. Yes, yeah, yeah. right. Um, not to jump ahead too much here, but. Jump around. Uh, in the end, though, it basically comes down to Ted Turner buying Crockett, right? And that, because that changes everything to WCW. More or less, yeah. And then that becomes the... Well, that changed everything to WCW. Now, at this time, so this would have been, what, 91, 92? Yeah. At this time, there was a... The NWA name still existed, and there was still an NWA, but I want to say it had like five members, like Don Owen, Steve Ricard from New Zealand, maybe Baba... You know, so there, yeah. there, but there was like nobody left in it. They somehow like reestablished their legal name, which uh, then allowed WCW to bring in NWA champions. Sure, because that legal body was granting the license to endorse those titles. Um, this is why when Rick Rude seemingly won the NWA World Championship or whatever, yeah. suddenly he became the WCW International Champion, Champion. Right, right. Because at that time, WCW pulled out of its agreement with the legal body known as the NWA sure. to pull all that aside. Right. So then it was shortly after that that Dennis Coraluzzo was mm-hmm. trying to work with Gary Juster of the NWA to sanction a tournament for a new singles champion which was won by Shane Douglas, who then threw down the NWA belt and established uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling. You ever heard of ECW, Kyle? Never heard of them. Yes. Very good. Exactly. Um, so as a former NWA champion, not <laughs> not me, you, that is. Uh, N- NWA lower title holder. Okay. Please. Well, well, as a, as a world champion of the NWA. Sure. Um, so... 
what was it like being a wrestler? And this is kind of kind of very off of this uh, the NWA stuff, and I hope this doesn't go into bad territory here. As a wrestler in the two, early two thousands, the aughts, the twenty aughts, late nineties, when the NWA was dwindling and kind of going away to nothing, or it was just kind of doing its thing. How did you view it? Like, was it, I mean, I get it. It's like a prop. It's a thing. It is what it is. But like, was there a point when you're just like, yeah, it just doesn't really mean anything anymore. It or, was like that when I broke in. It was, it was just kind of like, eh, it, it was just a name. Yeah. It didn't, once I understood what it was, it was just a name. Right. And then what? I mean, it's an alliance of promoters that wouldn't exist nowadays. Right, right. And even then, again, you're just making longer drives. And it's, this is me being bitter, but every locker room's kind of the same, you know? Right. Okay. No, and, and I get it. And I was always puzzled when I would see indie shows that went out of their way to promote that they were part of NWA. And I'm thinking, like, I don't think that's a draw. Not anymore, no. But like it's, that's not. But it, it's a mark for whoever to be able to put it on their poster, right? And it just becomes kind of that that thing. A- again, at the time, um, in the what the mid aughts or yeah, whatever. I believe in the local area there was an insurance policy that was part of the NWA name that people would use when they'd run a show. Sure, right. So they dropped out uh, once that NWA went south. Um, then there was a brief, (laughs) there was a brief attempt at an AWA similar deal of a bunch of local promotions paying into a licensing fee. Yeah. But then that got in trouble when Vern bought the trademarks from, it it just a whole whole thing. Yeah, it was was a whole thing. And they went from being AWA to american alliance of wrestling or you know whatever it was just a weird thing and even recently there was another coalition of promoters that tried the same thing again ultimately i think it's it's just that business model doesn't work anymore not at all yeah i agree doesn't stop some people from trying it do you find it surprising that the former the heads of the nwa from back in like the 50s and 60s were willing to um, be so loosey goosey with the rules or the stipulations or what were the expectations for a NWA regional tag team championship to be? No, they were just drawing money in their area and just realizing that the belt was going to draw money or hoping that the belt would be one of the things that would help draw money. Yeah, the the belt is something that you would use to create emotional impact to draw people. Right, and um, it's just a MacGuffin for people to chase. Right. And also, again, like that placeholder for when they could actually get the actual champions to come in. Well, But you keep saying actual champions like that's a thing. No. That, that's for until they could book somebody as the champions champion to, to come, come in. in. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Hashtag maybe bitter. I, yes. Maybe I wasn't speaking clear enough to it. It's been late. How do you feel about um, tag team wrestling? I like it. I think it's a it's an art form that can be done very well, but it's not. Given the chance, would you prefer a singles match or a tag team match? Uh, of course, everything depends. I like a singles match just because it's all on me, but a tag team match, you have the opportunity to do a lot of other stuff. Try to you know, like sow your oats with some other people and do something. Yeah, well, I like the uh, I like the team I'm in, or my friend Dr. X is in, up in <laughs> Green Bay, because... 
uh, he's been watching a lot of the stud stable and being able to pick up a lot of their. Oh, stuff. very cool. Yes. So, Jimmy nice. Golden, Robert Fuller. So, are you near? Young Kyle has a question. Yes. What are people doing wrong in tag matches today? Uh, don't get me started. It's it's just it's just modern wrestling. Uh, I will say, since uh, probably won't get back to anyone, in the match I had last Saturday, the I let the two newbies uh, have the opening spot in the match, and one guy had the worst case of gotta get my shit in itis that I had ever seen. Really? So in the opening spot, there was like a double arm drag spot. A suplex into a standing moonsault plus an Undertaker old school off the top rope onto the guy's arm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then they led to the tag out. And yep. are you just like, all right, I'm coming in and grabbing a head? Nope. I Well, at the arm. point I had a spot, but I was talking to my manager on the outside, just like, I don't agree with anything this idiot's doing. Like, nope. So what happens? You get backstage and you just rip that guy one? That particular guy, no. I just don't talk to him. You're just like, all right, thanks, He's bye. A fucking moron. Not worth, not worth the time. Nope. Hey? Nope. That's pretty funny. It's not what he wants to hear, brother. Right. Got to get his shit in. Wants to hear all the. Uh, the Incidentally. Best stuff. Oh, I was almost. I was going to do this as a post or whatever, but I'm just going to do it here. One calling it the Undertaker old school is stupid it's yeah 100 percent. two it's a dumb move yes it worked because the undertaker was 610 right whoever is listening to this you are not 610 it just looks dumb when you do it right here hold on to my arm ah here i go i'm gonna hit you in the shoulder ah, didn't that hurt no that shouldn't even take me off my goddamn feet right no i Okay, sorry. No, but that's that's the that's Mark the Calloway stuff. was six ten, right? And he didn't do it in the first two minutes of the match, right? Right. If he hit me, I would die, right? But uh. right, no, that's the part of the slow work over, and then you do that. Well, you what moves just... do you do? Well, I do the Undertaker old school. Oh, shut the fuck up, right? And heaven forbid you put your own spin on it. Okay. <laughs> Chapter 864 of What's Wrong with Modern Wrestling. Yes. Okay, uh, any kids that are listening to this. When you do the moves you see on TV, you merely remind people that you're not, not who that. they oh. see on TV. Amen, brother. Uh, did I? Did uh, we talk about? Well, we, I think we did. I, I will say for another group I work for that their heavyweight champion loves to do the Randy Orton punch the mat thing. Ugh. Ugh. Like, That's one of my um, things I tell people backstage. At that point, you're not doing anything. You're just playing wrestling. Absolutely. Um, that's why I've discussed with all of our people. It's I don't want crotch chops. I don't want any like DX bullshit or too sweet bullshit or any of that stuff. I'm like, because like you said, that just completely reminds them like, oh, there's something else out there. Yes. Like, do your own thing. Did we talk about the um, uh, the tag team, the What's Up Dudley Boy? And I uh, told the team, no, come up with something new. Where they were doing the headbutt Dudley yeah. Boy finish. Yeah. They did it at one of our shows this summer. Oh, okay. And then I said, hey, listen up. Like, no. Because A, that's not a good finishing move. And B, it's like, it's 
that Dudley boy move. How do you take this and how do you make this your own and change it up? I, I said felt they did a very good job. I thought they did a decent job, but by improving it. Yes. I mean. And that's all thanks to you, Jay. Well, not all thanks to me, but I'm just saying, it's but these are the conversations that. Oversight. No, that but these are the conversations that people need to have to about this plateaus stuff. of excellence. Even though I wanted them to do a missile drop kick to the nuts. No, that's too much. That and That's also very heelish. Uh, yeah, but very that, heelish and should really kill the person. But didn't they do the? But then they ended up doing the the front flip into the head hey, thing. I was standing on the floor looking fat, and it was good. No, uh, it was all good. But I'm just I saying, I can't even look at those pictures. I I agree with you so much on fuck when you, you say that though. Do you say fuck me? Yeah. Why? You're just agreeing with me, calling me a fat ass? Oh no, no, no! I was oh. agreeing with your uh, psychology in the wrestling oh, business. Oh yes, thank you. Okay. I think we're, we're all we're feeling good. a little bit. We're all feeling a bit doughy nowadays. Yes. yes. Uh, how did you like the uh, alpaca jerky, by the way? Yeah. Hey, guys. The, going back to an old episode, Derek brought us some alpaca jerky today to try. I liked it. What do you think, Kyle? It might be the best jerky I've ever had, and it's, I love jerky. It's good stuff. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. Um, uh, Mesa Trails Alpaca Farm out in Dalsman, Wisconsin. I'd really like to try some of that ground beef. Sure. I ate that alpaca um, jerky with no guilt. You know that? It, it's a herd animal. I don't. I get. No, I understand it. I know they name them and everything, but delicious. It, Yeah. But do they, when you say a herd animal, do they actually get like get them to, do they breed some of them or make some of them to actually cut yes, them into make, food? make them out of other parts. No, no. They're bred for their fiber they're bred for the fiber and because then when they get, get old you yeah. get the meat well when they hit a certain point yeah and they're like now we can do this meat yeah because the the cash cow is the fiber you can get a payday every year versus the meat you'd only get one big payday right which is true um any alpacas ever win the nwa take team no uh interestingly <laughs> enough the <laughs> yes. the junior title was sanctioned um, and the guy had to put down a, a bounty until I think the days of Hodge. Yes. But I also know that there were junior heavyweight champions. Like I believe there was like NWA and WWF junior heavyweight champions in Mexico. Oh, really? Like somehow they got sanctioned for one. I don't even think they were paying... I don't think see that's the loser washes a donkey match, right? I know, yeah. Ha ha. Okay, I knew it existed. I told Anyway, I got a story about that. Um so there were other titles that went around that like either like were just defended another country and nobody yeah, cared right. or whatever, so That's uh um So it did get kind of loose and fast. Ultimately it all came down to what the local promoter felt he could make money with. Right. If I thought I could make money with local champs, great. No, this needs a big big luster. I'm gonna bring in the world champs. Boom, you guys are gonna be my world champs. And just do it that way. Yeah. It's uh um it's a model that of course could never exist nowadays by doing things like that, especially with the internet, of course. I'm I'm stating the obvious, I get that. Yeah. Um but uh, I think that's one of the sweet gems about pro wrestling when you think about it back a long time ago 
was that they were able to kind of pull the ruse across the country, mm-hmm. um, you know, pulling those strings and knowing what everything is and like kind of banking on the fact that people homesteaded where they were and didn't move around. So they didn't find out that, oh, these guys, this isn't the right. NWA champions. So I always think that's fantastic. Well, that's fantastic. And that's why a lot of uh, promotions didn't like it when people started establishing mailing networks right, to exchange results because that's going to expose everything. Right. And I think it kind of did. I remember looking in the um, magazines, too, and it'd be like, oh, here's the series of matches. And it was just all the house show run. Yeah. And it would just be like, and I'm always surprised that a lot of the magazines put those in for that reason. Because you'd be like, oh, so Hacksaw Duggan fought Akeem to a disqualification four nights in a row on an East East Coast run. Uh, Yeah, but that's also... um that's also like the business was changing at that time. Right, right. So, yeah. But I thought that was pretty good. Uh, anything else you'd like to talk about? Do you want to talk about that donkey wash thing you were going to say you had a story? or? Oh, yeah. I thought I told this one time that uh, oh, somebody tried to rib me one time saying that they were renting a donkey for a wrestling match. And I immediately said, oh, are you having a loser wash as a donkey match? It's like, wow, you didn't even didn't even trip you just went right into that i'm like yeah it's it's wrestling i know it's happened i'd love to do it you could have a photo opportunity with the donkey and (laughs) it would be kind of cool yeah speaking of donkeys kyle what about goats um (laughs) nice uh here's your uh quiz for the day kyle name one quiz of the day name one nwa tag team championship team that didn't have express in their name the andersons very good name a nwa tag team team that is is not a team that we talked about on this show (laughs) i have no clue yes best (laughs) and you're a winner were the four horsemen ever nwa tag team champions I don't remember. Me neither. I mean, whatever. It's it belts. wouldn't have been the four horsemen. It would have been two of them. Right. It would have been the two. It would have been Tully. The two jockeys. Yeah, yeah. The two that weren't singles champions. Were, uh, were Mr. Wrestling one and two ever tag team champions? No. I mean, they may have been local champs, but they weren't heavyweight champs. Um, I don't know that they teamed that much either. Right. I didn't think so. No. Maybe a little bit. No. Uh, established Mr. Wrestling two because wrestling one. Didn't want to show up for a while. Anything else about the NWA Tag Team Championships you'd like to cover before we say goodnight? Uh, I always like the older design of the belts. Yeah, I That's agree. Just me. Do you think that uh, Billy Coogan has the... Um, Corrigan? Do, do you think that he has the design? Can he do the belts? Can he redo the belts? Oh, anybody can redo the belts. Yeah, but can he have those like the specific he can, looked belts? He can do whatever he wants. Looked, looked belts? He can do whatever he wants. I think with the... Like he owns the NWA NWA name. I know he owns the Bob Loose collection. I know he might have bought a bunch of stuff from Bruiser's. I wife. think he's got the Jim Varvato scarf collection as well. Sure. Is it Jim Varvatos? Is that the? the Are you asking me? Stylist. I don't know. I'd ask you, hipster. He's got all the scarves. I don't wear scarves, bro. Okay. Um. I, I don't either. Hey, if anyone out there knows Billy Coogan and would like to set Derek up with some matches. Corgan? Is that it? Isn't it Billy Corgan? I mean, he lives in Chicago, but 
I he I don't know what he's gonna do with it if he does anything with it. Do you ever see? Um, uh, yeah, he'll do something, I guess. Sure. I don't know. All right, I censored myself. I was gonna say something, but I'm gonna keep those thoughts to myself. Derek. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your thoughts sure. this evening. You've done a great job again, as usual. You've really this enlightened one gets us. This one will. Uh, yes, we didn't release the first one because it just wasn't that great. But that was back early on in like the early um, teens, what, right? Would you say, Kyle? I don't know. How long have we been doing this? I know it's like... Almost three years. Really? Yeah. Can Jeez. you believe that? We're in our third season. Yeah, we put out <laughs> seasons like a BBC show. Yes, exactly. Three seasons, 12 episodes. Yeah. Um, so we were going to do it a long time ago and then we went against it and said no and then now we're coming we're coming back around here bringing it back around I don't recall having much of a say in that but well if you put forth some effort nope. we'd be okay we'll no not going to happen nope all right guys thank you for listening this has been cigars and conversations with Derek St. Holmes Esquire exclusively on all the gimmicks and um iTunes and I want to give a shout out to Derek Carey from all the gimmicks uh who I had a chance to go hang out with last week Wednesday at a concert, and I saw him a few weeks ago at a um, horror movie convention. Uh, and we got to hang out there as well and uh, had lunch at a really great hot dog shop. So, no, we didn't kiss. Uh, he's a great guy, Maybe and he does a lot time. of good stuff. Um, knows his movies, and uh, definitely a cool dude. So shout out to Derek, who listens to these episodes as well, because, of course, he puts them out. Hey, Derek. Thanks, Derek. So rate, review, tell your friends, share any uh, questions, anything, comments, please leave them on the Facebook page. Send us something. Send us something. What do you want us to talk about? Uh, we've got some open slots on our schedule. And, uh, <laughs> like all of them. <laughs> and we will take any uh, topics and run with them. Sound good? Yeah. Sure. All right. We'll see you guys next time. We love you.